Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, about to get started up in the coming weeks here. And Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Hey, Sherrod, you there? Yep, I'm here. What's up, people? Thank you for joining us on Locker Room after listening uh, to a post-game show. Celtics won. Everybody's happy, Sherrod. Everything's good again, right? Uh, yeah, yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Better. Things are better. Things are definitely better. Um, uh, no, this was a good game. I mean, they, they obviously, you know, there, there's a, you know, the usual storylines to success. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, new storylines to success. Uh, Aaron Naismith and his play. Uh, we'll get into all that. But, I mean, this was, this was a, you know, this was a good, well-played game for the Celtics. But still, they left enough to me, um, food on the table to where they, they there's clearly room for improvement. Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. Um, but a win is a win, and they needed it after the, these last two losses. So at least it'll chill everybody out. We had, a, like I said, a pretty angry, angry locker room room last night. Last night. Um, so I think everybody's feeling a little better today. Just, uh, Sherrod, if you get a second, tweet this out to your followers. Let's get yep. some people in the room here. I do want to let everybody know. Uh, who's in here right now. You've probably been here before, but just, just to go over some ground rules, request to speak. We're going to put you up here in the chat room. Um, and uh, once we do, um, just mute yourself. That way there's no background noise, and we'll get to you eventually. Um, we'll try to get to as many of you as possible. Uh, we still have Jimmy, Josue, and Bobby wrapping up the post-game show on the other channel. They'll, they'll come over and join us in a little bit. You can bounce questions off of them, off of Sherrod, or just any general comments you guys have about the game right now. So let's see who we're going to bring in here, see if we left anybody. Uh, I'm going to bring in Chris. I, um, uh, Chris, are you there? Hello. Hey, what's up, Chris? How are you? Hey, what's up, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys? Excellent. Good, good. So, um, this win means nothing to me. I just saw you in the chat. <laughs> I, that's why I put you up there. But anyway. This team all season has shown that they have no level of consistency, and it starts from the top to the bottom. Like uh, This team frustrates me to probably the most frustrating season that I've, I've watched. Um, this team has no heart, no passion. Um something's missing, something needs to change. Uh, the, unless this team goes on a streak going into the playoffs, I have no faith that we're going to win anything, anything of significance. I, I have no expectations because um, so, I don't want to even, even think about that. And then we just – they just lose. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Um yeah, there's just not this. This clearly something missing. This team, it, it's like kind of look. They're they're super soft, a little too cool for school. Uh, the bench is not just like even if the bench is trash. Even though we have like three, four good players on the bench, but like it's they're trash. But they have no emotion. Like they don't even try to like 
motivate the guy. You don't see no one jumping up and down. This team has no no identity. They, they're just a bunch of zombies out there at times, it seems like. And for a Celtic, I've never seen a Celtic team like this. Like, it, yeah. it's, this is, there's nothing, you, there's nothing that stands out with this team that you, that you can hang your head on that they do well. The it, thing, it's too inconsistent. Yeah, the, the, the thing about the Celtics that, that I've always appreciated uh, is the passion. Um, you, you always felt as though they would, wouldn't always play well, but they were passionate about their effort and things like that. And you don't feel that consistently with this team. That's why what, what Aaron Nathan did today was so refreshing. I don't, you know, lock into the fact that he had 15 points and, you know, he had good job on the boards. I look at the fact that he put his imprint on the game with his effort. More than anything else he did statistically, he was the one guy who gave great effort. And to your point, Chris, you didn't see the kind of reaction to his effort that you'd ideally like to see. I mean, yeah, guys were happy and everything, but you didn't see any chest bumping. You didn't see too many high fives. You didn't see guys going bananas, you know, when he was making some really great hustle plays. And I'm thinking, like, damn, I'm not used to seeing a Celtic team that kind of plays with that type of kind of mellow uh, attitude and and approach to things. Uh, And I I don't know if they can galvanize it or, or frankly, find that from within to to play with that passion, to play with that energy uh, that I think they're going to need to play with if they're going to shock the world and actually make a little noise come playoff time. Yeah, and uh, Sherrod, I I agree. That's the – to what you said, the the disappointing thing about the season was was I was hoping, um, Chris, and thank you for the comment and thanks for listening. um, I was hoping what we would see is a 10-15 game run of the team as close to full strength as we've seen them all year, which would have included, you know, uh, Romeo back and a little bit in the mix. Um, and then, you know, obviously Fournier worked in, Parker worked into the mix, uh, Kemba, you know, fully rested and what he could do. And just the whole lineup to see, okay, here's everybody. Here's your rotations. Here's who we are. And, Let's give it a shot. We've got nine games left, ten games left, or whatever it is. And, again, you've got Fournier, who's at, like, he looks like he's at about 30%. Rob Williams, back to 17 minutes coming in off the bench when he was playing so well as a starter. Eight and two with him as a starter post-trade and all of his good efforts prior to the trade deadline as well. He was obviously, uh, you know, one of the more impactful players on the team. Jabari has gone to a DNP CD. Uh, you know, the rotations are still a mess. Kemba's now dealing with an oblique strain, and we're like, all right, what are we doing here? So it's I don't know if you're ever going to see what this team could theoretically have been just based off of how banged up they've been with injuries. But to the point you said about them being disappointing and not having it, I'm going to cite something today uh, our, our pal Gary uh, wrote over on the Boston Globe, sure, I don't know if you were reading it, but just kind of taking them apart after the after the loss last night. And uh, Gary wrote, it's mystifying why a 32-30 and 30 team plays with such arrogance and disrespect for the game. Um, it's a great comment. It, it, arrogance and disrespect. It's as if they think they're entitled to winning or to whatever, just simply walking on the court and showing up. And why would you be entitled to this when you've been such a dead ass mediocre team all year I, I i don't understand it and gary g- goes on and says uh 
you know, no NBA team plays the Celtics with any fear. There's no more, oh, man, we've got the Celtics tonight concerns. They don't scare anyone, and that's even with a full roster. The perception is play hard enough against the Celtics, and eventually they'll give up. That's the personality of this team. There's 10 games left in the regular season. That's who they are. And I think that's pretty accurate. I don't know who we think this team might become because at this point they've shown us for 60-plus games exactly who they are. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a problem. Uh, that, yeah. It's a big problem because there is no clear indication that things will get better anytime soon. Uh, because, you, it, you, you, look, we can go on and on and on about the injuries and the health and safety protocol issues and, and, and all those things. But at the end of the day, that's why you have 17 players on your roster. So that when one or two go down, it's an opportunity for one or two others to step up. And that hasn't happened. It yeah. hasn't happened. Uh, and and that's, that's a big problem for these guys, a big problem. Yeah. And it, while it is fashionable to, to beat on the Celtics, and again, uh, you know, after a win, it feels like, hey, maybe we should say some positive. I do think there's positive things out of tonight. Obviously, Aaron Neesmith is a positive. Pritchard coming off of how he was a couple nights ago and just his toughness and what he looks like is a super positive uh, right now. So there's definitely some stuff you have going. To watch Jalen and Jason play the way they did tonight, obviously, like, that's what you're going to need from this team is these guys to be lights out. Uh, I just do think the general vibe around this team is still, you know, you're almost afraid to trust them. You're afraid to see a game where they play well and feel good about them and kind of put all of those other fears to rest. They, they're just – they haven't been able to sustain an effort for long enough to, for you to feel like, okay, I think they're starting to get it. And, that frankly, I don't think they ever will until you hit the playoffs – so now we're in the 2018-2019 season, Sherrod, where we're hoping they flip a switch. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Um, we'll see. Let's bring in um, Byron. Byron, what's up, man? Um, John, you basically jumped on most of the points I was going to get at. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I was going to say the same thing about the playoffs. But, like, they might bring the effort into the playoffs. But who want to hope for that? Like, you got to finally bring some effort in. When we down 20, can we bring it back? I don't think that's going to happen. So I think this season's like a chalk up. But I think we we should worry about the offseason for next season because we get a full offseason. And Jalen Brown and Tatum can actually work on plays with each other. Brassett can work on actions and plays with them. I don't think he has anything going on. And they too much. They just became leaders. This is the first time. Like, I always thought Tatum should have the ball when Luka had the ball. But they never gave him the ball because of Kyrie and everybody else. So I think it would just take his time. I think offseason he gets to replay to get back on film. He gets to do what he has to do. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of truth to that, certainly. Because, you know, you just wonder, like, how well would Luka be as a player, for example, if, let's say, you know, Dirk stuck around for another couple years. Um, and when I look at Tatum, I think of how his development may have been different if, if let's say, Kyrie had not been. Uh, around for the time he was there. But at at the end of the day, though, um, I, you knew coming into the season that Jason Tatum was going to be one of, if not your go-to guy. You knew that Jalen Brown, at worst, was probably going to be your third option uh, behind Kimba maybe. But, depend, but because of how things went with Kimba, you know, health-wise, you knew there was a possibility that he could be your number two guy. And, and so I, – your your game planning had to factor in those two potential scenarios. Bottom line, this team is underachieved. Uh, they, they have tremendous talent. 
that they're not getting the most out of. And there's no clear rhyme or reason why that is. And with only 10 or so games left in the regular season, it's pretty obvious that it's this team isn't built to just flip a switch and all of a sudden they're world beaters. Um, th- this team has an ED problem, uh, effort dysfunction. Uh, they give it to you in little spurts, but they can't sustain it. Uh, if there was some way to, to remedy their ED problem, their effort dysfunction, uh, they would hope they would hopefully find that and, and do something about it. But again, you can't feel good about their success as much as you want to. It's great that they won the game, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, but damn, can they do this again? Can they play with this kind of energy again? Because win or lose, that's what you want to see if you're a fan. You want to see great effort. You want to see them go at teams and compete every night, and we don't see that. Tonight was a night where they did a lot of that, but we've seen many nights where it just wasn't there. Yeah, and you mentioned um, as well, um, and again, thanks for the comment. You mentioned uh, leadership. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of people questioning whether or not they have one um, or the guy. And Sherrod's mentioned a ton, bringing in veterans, bringing in um, a, a, you know a kind of a tough guy on the staff, other people, presence, uh, some presence, you know, with the team that. Uh, We'll speak to those guys and get them to understand what it takes on a nightly basis. Again, you 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 only know what you know, you know, and they are young, so you there's just some stuff you just don't know. And if you don't have someone to show it, I mean, anyone who's worked in any you know any career, any line of work, having a mentor is a huge thing. Having somebody who shows you the right way to do things, and you know, their their careers have been kind of you know when you look at Jalen and Jason, you know, they had Kyrie, they had Gordon, they had Al. But they just they, – they dealt with it in a – you know, they had that really dysfunctional season. The first year they were asked to do it alone. Then they had that really dysfunctional season where nothing really worked. Um, and so, again, they're still young. They need somebody in there to do that. But it's not just Sherrod. You hear Mike Gorman. I mean, Mike Gorman is not a bomb thrower by any means. And he goes on the radio today uh, and he says, I don't know if these guys are ready to lead right now. You know, so I, I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's something that's real, right? And he said – Gorman also says the front office is well aware of the issues. They know they have this problem. It's not media manufactured. It's a real thing right now. There's, there's some disconnect and there's something that these guys aren't getting and they're not being reached in a way that's going to allow them to get it. So it has to be addressed in some capacity. Um, let's bring in um, Santiago. Oh, Sherrod, did you have something to add there? No, no, we're good. No, nah, nah, make room, Sherrod. I got I, I got I got I got something to say. Uh oh, move over. No, nah, but I don't got any hot takes. Just uh, it's just nice to get a win, you know. Uh, I feel like this game was a little closer than it needed to be, but we have a tendency to do that, you know. What was the last time we like blew out a team? We're just like, all right, all right, Charlotte. Point. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a that was a while ago, like a couple weeks ago. Like yeah, exactly. I remember, I remember, I mean, this is, I'm comparing us to last season, but I remember it was just like 30 point wins at, or 25 point wins. And it was just like, yeah, Tatum Brown, take all the rest that you need. Let's get these younger guys in here or something like that. And it's just like, <laughs> I wish we, we could have more of that this season. But, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Rob looked good. I, I don't know what happened <laughs> that, fir- that first quarter. Jalen Brown just went off and then he just, you know, he kind of went silent a little bit. Like, he, you know, 20 points, and then I feel like I'm not sure how many points he scored in the 
the second quarter because I was at work trying to, you know, catch the game, like, in between my, my breaks and stuff like that. But uh, how many points did you have in that second quarter? Because I know he had twenty in the the first in the first in the, the second the first quarter. The answer was zero. Uh, yeah, zero. Z- zero. Zero points in the yeah. second quarter. But obviously, he finished with thirty nine on the game. So twenty in the first quarter, eight of eleven shooting. He had zero points in the second quarter. I always find that perplexing as hell, <laughs> and I don't mm-hmm. want to start bashing Brad right now. I just find it so weird that Jalen Brown could be on the floor and almost get no touches or no shots at any given point in time. Uh, we, we can't figure out this mystery, whether he drifts in and out or whether we get into just places where the other people on the court, for some reason, mistakenly think it's their job to uh, dominate the ball. Uh, but it is bizarre mm-hmm. to me. And we've, had a mil- we've had a million post games where we're like, Jalen didn't touch the ball enough. So exactly. it's, so, it's so strange you come out gunning like that and not get not really get much action in the second half, but um, uh, but he's still actually, pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, and that actually, yeah, thirty nine points is is good. Like I'll take it either way. Are you kidding? Of course, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And we needed all thirty nine points tonight. But uh, that actually brings me to another point because you guys talked uh, touched on this in the the post game show. Like you were talking about how like yeah the the team kind of shuts out Brad sometimes, but and it's like whenever we do play the way Brad wants us to play, like we play well, do we not? <laughs> Like I feel like we play that the like whenever we we are moving the ball around, we're 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 playing the way he wants us to play. We play well. Like I can't think of an instance where we played the way I think the players wanted to play, and we played well. You know what I mean? Like I don't think, like I don't think there's been a game where it was just forcing up tough tough jumpers and we made it and we won the game. Well, here's I don't know. Well, here here's the 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 difference between this team and, and every other Brad Stevens coach team. This is the first team where Brad has had multiple elite ISO scores. When you've got Kyrie Irving, who's one of the best in the game, uh, that's one thing. But when you look at where Tatum's at when it comes to ISO scoring, when you look at where Jalen's at when it comes to creating his own shot and, and getting buckets in isolation, he hasn't had two guys that were that talented who could go get their own. And the problem that I think this team has, has had is, is finding that balance between blending that part of their games into what they normally do while still maintain, maintaining some semblance of ball movement. Too often the ball sticks in one of their hands where you've got a lot of guys who are ball watching. That's not winning basketball. We've seen that with Russell Westbrook when he was in OKC. We saw that with James Harden in Houston. We've seen that with a lot of teams that had these one-dimensional elite ISO scores. And you may win some games, but you're not going to compete at the highest level playing that kind of basketball. You know and, what it and, is? And that, what's that? You know, you know what it is? Is it's trust. And John's talked about this a lot. Do they trust these young guys? I think it's interesting because this is the uh, two-year anniversary. I think I saw on Twitter of the Celtics winning that game one against the Bucks. Everything mm-hmm. looked like it was going awesome, and then Kyrie just went on that isolation tirade, taking 25, 30 shots, and I think you see. Brown and Tatum do that sometimes. That I don't think it's a selfishness thing. I don't think it's a like defiance of Brad thing. I think sometimes they just think we can handle this better than some of these other guys can. Why are we going right. to funnel shots to Grant? Why are we going to funnel shots to Neesmith? These type of guys, and that might be the right mindset, or it might not be. I don't know because those guys haven't contributed certainly. And and who is this gentleman talking right now? You wonder, Bobby Manning, fresh over from the post game show, along with Jimmy Toscano. They're now joining us. Um, and a whole bunch of other people 
Yep, a whole bunch of other people who clearly just jumped over who were watching Celtics post game on CLNS Media, either on our YouTube channel or Twitter or Facebook, what have you. Um, so thank you guys for joining over there. Uh, we, like we said, we got Jimmy and Bobby here. Joe Sway uh, may or may not be joining from the garden. He's got some other um, uh, responsibilities uh, he's got to take care of as well. For the new people joining, if it's your first time, just to let you guys know, ground rules, request to speak. And we will put you up there on the stage. Just mute your microphone until we're able to get to you. Uh, and I promise we'll get to as many people as we can tonight as we talk about the Celtics win, snapping a three-game losing streak against the Hornets tonight. Uh, big games from Brown, big games from Tatum. It was the Aaron Neesmith showcase. That was a huge thing tonight. We obviously had Marcus Smart missing the game uh, because he got suspended for yelling at a ref. So a lot of things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to bring in Julian, who last night was begging to get on the stage because there was a lot of Brad slander. It got really ugly last night, uh, and he was desperate to defend Brad Stevens. So, Julian, if that's where you want to go with it today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your shot. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's, what's up, Julian? What's up? Man? So I just want to say two things real quick, and I, I want to preface my Brad comment by saying, I haven't been on the, you know, the former Bobby side where it's Supreme Leader Brad Stevens is not. Though Bobby's quite. turned a little, but that's just like. Let, <laughs> he's pivoting. In the right direction. But basically, my, my point with Brad is, and I, I don't think he's a perfect coach. And I think there are, even though they may not be attainable, I think there's better options, uh, you know, obviously in the NBA. But my thing with Brad is that sometimes I feel like we talk about this team where it, it sounds like Brad's running, you know, a kindergarten class. It's like. Well, you know, you got to motivate Tatum a certain way. But if you talk to Brown a certain way, then he won't be motivated. But if Smart hears, you know, X, Y, Z, he's going to be pissed off. It's like sometimes I just want to say, good God, it's the NBA. Like, what? why do we need superstar players to be motivated to go when there's millions of dollars on the line? Like, do we think? I mean, uh, that's every age, man. I don't even think that's a kid thing. A lot of egos, a lot of. Do we think, you know, LeBron needs to be motivated by Vogel or do we think? Uh, Kevin Durant gets motivated by Steve Nash. It's like, you know, you're in the NBA, hope, you know, you want to hope playing for a championship. You'd hope that these guys can just think, you know, there's an immense amount of things on the line. I don't need Brad Stevens to right. say, oh, you know, uh, go and do it. I agree with Julian. I, I think it's at a certain at a certain point in your in your career, you need to have, take on the responsibility to motivate yourself and motivate your teammates. It's not like you're a little kid and you're growing up and you're looking up to your head coach. He's like your mentor or like, you know, your, your dad's the coach. You know what I mean? Like these guys are professionals. And, and while it'd be great if Brad Stevens could have an effect on their, you know, motivation and, and their ability to get going at the end of the day, it's on them to put themselves in a mental spot prior to the game to get ready to go and to re- go to war out there. I mean, that's, that's what you're getting paid to do. That's what you're expected to do. You don't need some, you don't need your head coach to be the guy that's, you know, patting you on the head saying, you know, go get him, kid. Like yeah, you got to have some of that on your own. But you got, but Jimmy, you do have to, you do have to want to listen to what he has to you say. Do. And right. so like, you know, ask Dave Blatt, whether, whether uh, you need, you know, whether LeBron needs to be talked to a certain way. There's just, and I'm not saying Brad's in that school, but I mean, but LeBron's always been motivated, to, despite the, the, the fact that he's had you know twelve coaches fired. He, he's yeah, never but even he them to motivate him. He's he's taken a few mid-year breaks in his time in Columbus, and going. Yeah, I mean Jesus, even because in the early can. days of the Big Three, Spolstra was having 
uh, fits trying to get those guys, you know, like it wasn't working out in the beginning. And, you know, this is one of the best coaches in the entire NBA. And that was, that wasn't going great for him there either at the start. Uh, of that Miami tenure. So again, it, it can be hard for a coach if the guys buck for any reason. Uh, and you absolutely do need to talk to them in different, you, you need to handle. Yeah, I think it's a fair. And I know, you know, obviously he, it's a work in progress, but sometimes I just feel like for, even though he, he screws up sometimes, like I, I thought today playing Tremont over Pritchard after that game was complete lunacy, but I just feel like sometimes we ask of him a little bit more than, you know, I think he's responsible for in terms of motivating them. And then my other question I wanted to ask you guys, I feel like we have to since it's tomorrow. I know Sherrod is is a is an Eagles guy and Jimmy and John with the Patriots. Do you have any thoughts on the draft? Look, yeah. I, I don't look, I, I've I've purposely tuned out what the Patriots are gonna do because the Patriots look, the way that, that double B has been spending shit. Uh I I I think <laughs> the Patriots are gonna do something big and bold. Because they've been doing big and bold stuff pretty much the entire offseason. As far as my Eagles are concerned, we need a wideout. We need a lot of things, but we, I think we can get an elite wideout. I think we can get the Heisman Trophy winner if we play our cards right. I think we're picking like 12th. Uh, and, again, I, I want us to get a difference maker, uh, somebody that when they step on the, on the field, it's like, damn, we got to deal with that dude this week. That's what I want. Uh, Patriots, I'm going to leave that to John and Jimmy. Yeah, well, I'll, Jimmy, I'll, you John, go first. Yeah, I'll go first because John's got way. John's been way more involved in this whole draft than I have, and I'm sure he's got he's got. You can pump all the CLNS content coming out over the next couple of days, but I'll say, as as an ex Patriots fan, now Bucks fan. <clears throat> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I will say, I think the I was Pats about to say, to, Jimmy, damn, they need to get a quarterback. Um, I, I, I'm a Fields guy. I think if I had to rank them, I want I want Fields, and then I want Jones. Um, but I'd be happy with either one. I, I think they just need to get a quarterback, one of the top five quarterbacks or track. So really one of the top six quarterbacks I'd be happy with. If they're just not there and they just can't figure out a way to get them, then I, I'd be happy if they took one of the top corners. Um, it, it's fair. I, my assessment is this. I actually think, and, and I do want to quickly plug it, and thanks, Jimmy, for reminding me, we will have uh, a lot of coverage the next few days. We're going to do a lot of live stuff on our on our multiple platforms starting tomorrow with Evan Lazar, uh, host of characters on the um, on the CLNS side. I'll be involved in that as well. We'll have Alex Barth, who does Patriots Beat, along with uh, Evan. He's going to be jumping in. Uh, possibly Greg Bedard from Boston Sports Journal and uh, other people in and out, you know, over the next few days. But um, so we have a ton of stuff. You definitely want to join us. We'll be live pre-draft uh, during the draft. Uh, I think we're going to take us, you know, starting pick three and on. We're going to jump on there and just kind of ride it out uh, and analyze stuff in real time as it's happening. We'll take you all the way through the Patriots pick in round one. My thought um, is this. Things are breaking actually pretty well for the Patriots. Um, and I hope I don't lose too many Celtics fans in this. I'll be brief. Things are breaking pretty well for them right now because I do think most of the teams right now who might be competing for quarterback have kind of already made a move, um, and that included Carolina trading for Darnold, and now you have today Denver acquiring Bridgewater. I don't think that precludes them from taking a quarterback also, but now they have Bridgewater and uh, and Locke, so they're not set forever, but they have some insurance at the position, so they might not be as desperate to jump. I think a lot of people are just seeing how the board falls before they make a determination. I think the Patriots could do that too. Um, and they could theoretically, without having to move way up, end up getting one of these guys. I think the Falcons won't take one at four. And then it starts to get interesting because the first places you're looking where it might go, 
you might have the top three go and quarterback might last till eight. Patriots could theoretically jump there. I like Trey Lance per, per, uh, personally of the uh, of the guys, assuming Jones goes three. Um, but I like Fields also. So I personally, I desperately want an athletic quarterback. I think it's long overdue uh, that that the Patriots have a have an athlete at that position. And I know Newton was that, but also he can't throw. Um, so I'd like a dynamic playmaking quarterback. I like either of those guys a lot. Um, but if I'm going to bet, I actually have thought since day one and I've never wavered. Um, Jimmy G is going to be a Patriot. The Niners have no leverage. This bullshit notion that they're going to uh, holding out for a first, but they're willing to drop to a second is ridiculous. They trade him for a fifth round pick or, or, or they release him because there's no, no incentive for San Francisco. Sa- San Francisco is not going to pay $25 million to a backup quarterback. No freaking way. And I'm not talking cap money. I'm talking real money. That's money an owner has to pay out of his pocket. Um, I don't want th- Jimmy G, now, though. Now, what if someone hops in and offers seven first? No, yeah, seven <laughs> first. For, there's not a single team out there, not only that would want Jimmy G, and, and he has a no trade clause, or that Jimmy G would absolutely guaranteed walk in to be the starting quarterback, except for the Patriots. Um, they're not a single one. And right now there's two teams with cap space and one of them is Jacksonville. So under his current contract and Jacksonville's obviously not doing that because they're drafting Lawrence. So it's always been that it's always been Jimmy G to the Patriots. I think it's, Ugh. and I'm sorry, Jimmy, but Sucks. that's my, my prediction is that deal gets done early. It, or if why would it happen tomorrow though? I don't feel, I feel like, well, it here's the thing. San Francisco has to get it done tomorrow. Um, early. Because knowing the Patriots is the only team that does it, if they don't make that trade prior to the draft and New England doesn't know that they have him and they draft a quarterback, then they get nothing for him. So they have to make that deal. They, they, once, the, once you get through the draft, there's nowhere to trade him because there's nothing to trade him for. But the they don't have they, to trade him, though. They don't, but then they cut him and they get nothing. Okay, so you're saying they're not going to pay – they're not going to – They'll they, cut him. They're not going to keep him on the roster. If they don't trade, if they don't trade him, they'll cut him. They're 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 pretending that they're going to hold on. Is but, that because if they wait, if they keep him, yeah. they they owe him a certain amount of money? No, he's basically on a year to year at this point, and it's 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 free then, money. Like the deal is over, so it's twenty five million in real money, twenty seven million dollar cap hit for this year, or two million in dead cap only if they release him. It is a no brainer that he's I not see. on the well, roster. Well, wait for him to get released. That's then, what I would do if I were the Patriots because there's no there's Cuz then no, you don't have to pay the crazy contract either, right? They won't. They would renegotiate ahead of time. Yeah. Um they would renegotiate and trade for something. But let's get back to Celtics and see who else wants to get in here and Julian, thanks. But again, <laughs> anybody interested in it, uh join us by all means. Um once again, I'm going to put you guys up here on the stage and uh please uh mute yourself until we get to you. I've got Roy up here right now. Roy, what's going on? Hey, hi guys. You were talking about the playoffs and the eight-man rotation. I think it's going to have to be the Vets, uh, Thompson, uh, Jabari, and uh, Fournier are just going to have to step it up for the playoffs. And, of course, uh, uh, Rob Williams and Pritchard. So what do you think about that? What do you guys think of the rotation? We've talked about the rotation. What do you guys If you're lying on... Tristan and Jabari and Fournier to kind of carry that bench in the playoffs, they're not going very far. Um, they're just not. Jabari, and again, I, I love the Jabari signing because I think he gives you some much-needed offensive oomph on that bench. But to me, Fournier is the key to that second unit. Uh, he's the one 
to me, wild card in this whole equation that we don't have any feel for. Uh, we've seen him when he was in Orlando. He could be hell to deal with, with his ability to, to make plays and his ability to score. But we've, we haven't really seen that with any semblance of consistency. And I know he's had the COVID issues, and, and that certainly has played a role in his struggles. But, you know, with, with all due respect, um, it's the playoffs right around the corner. And you've got to have the guys that can make a difference in a positive way on the floor. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get right in enough time for him to be someone that can significantly help you. And as far as Jabari is concerned, his struggles defensively, uh, I, I don't think is an effort thing. I just think physically speaking, he just can't defend well. Uh, and so he, to me, is going to have to be more of a specialist slash role player for, for specific matchups and for spe- specific points in the game. And as far as Tristan is concerned, I think Tristan is doing a really good job now. And he's playing more like the player they need him to be with him. It's staying healthy and being consistent. And, yeah, I think he'll be someone that can help him. I think Peyton Pritchard is another one that's going to be able to help them. And I, and I think, again, Naismith, we, we haven't talked a ton about him here in, in, in the locker room, but I think today was just the beginning of his trend towards seeing a spot in that regular rotation. Uh, he's a bull in the china shop in there, and they need guys like that to be, frankly, playing with great effort and doing it with some type of consistency because that effort is going to make up for a lot of the mistakes that they make out there uh, over the course of a game. So. That's that's I mean that's where I stand. Guys, I'm only I here agree. to talk football. I left it open. <laughs> Sorry, I was tweeting about uh, Luke Cornett. Bobby, um, Bobby, I don't I think... need you focused. And if you're tweeting about Luke Cornett, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you out of the room. <laughs> I need the que- I need I need I need a refresher on the question because it was the rotation. Was so good. It was in the rotation. It's the rotation. We we all agreed, guys. We know Peyton Pritchard. It's look. We know who it is. It's the starters, and it now now the starters have Tristan, not Rob. But let's call it. It's going to be those guys plus Rob uh, plus we believe Fournier, even though Sherrod is saying uh, right now it's hard to trust him. And we said Pritchard is absolutely in the circle of trust. Absolutely, that's your eight. Absolutely, those guys are playing playoff minutes. Who beyond those eight are playing playoff minutes right now? I got you. Yeah, the guy that asked, he asked about specifically Jabari Parker. He asked about Tristan and he asked about Fournier. Yeah. Fournier and Tristan for sure. All those guys are. We we said Parker was the last guy. Well, we said a couple weeks ago, maybe, I think it was maybe Sherrod who said Parker's like your last guy in that rotation. Um, That was at that time. I mean, obviously, things can change quickly here. Um, if Neesmith all of a sudden becomes a player that has shown, you know, shows over these next nine games that he can be trusted in limited minutes. I mean, he's your end, he's an end of rotation type guy. I mean, whoever, whether it's Parker or Neesmith, I think that might also be a little bit matchup based as well, because they're obviously different players and, and whatnot. So um, I'm not giving up on Parker. I know he didn't play tonight. Uh, I've liked what he's been able to do in spurts. I know that he's still a little, Maybe not the conditions not quite there yet, but as Sherrod has said, you know, you know that when you put him in the game, that's a guy that can give you straight up offense. Whereas a lot of these guys that you're talking about, Grant or Romeo, you're not sure exactly what you're going to get out of them. You're, you know, you're 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 hoping that they can play solid defense, and anything they give you on the offensive end is you know gravy, I guess, literally anything at all. So, so I'm a no on Neesmith, Parker, 
uh, hopefully Grant as well. If they're fully healthy, they Wait, don't need what? any of those. They don't need any of those guys. What about they, Grant? He, he's out of the rotation. What? Wow. Breaking news. Bobby, I don't even know who you are anymore. No, they got to <laughs> keep this to the core guys. They got to tighten up this rotation heavily come playoff time. They got to – now the Fournier thing is the most interesting because that's where Sherrod said Neesmith could end up cracking this thing if Fournier just looks completely out of sorts because they're going to have to cut down his minutes big time if he continues to look like this and sort of just dip their toe in the water with some of his minutes off the bench and maybe get away from him throughout the course of those games. They're not going to get away from him entirely because I think he's just such a seasoned veteran that he is still the most reliable in terms of being in the right place on defense, making the right plays on offense, and hopefully uh, he gets enough confidence in his shot and the wind underneath him and all these things to start making an impact at that point because he is part of those core guys. That's not changing. When we talk about guys, the um, um, when we talk about you know Brad's kind of you know who knows who is playing you know night in night out. Do you think you know like you know in baseball, you know guys like to be told when they're in and out of the lineup beforehand, not just to walk into the room and see their names not on the card and be like, well, shit. Like, do you think Brad? talks to Semi prior to a game and says, this isn't going to be a night I'm going to play you much? Or do they just sit there wondering, like, why did I start last night and I'm not playing tonight? Like, because that's, <laughs> Why did I show up today? No, because, I mean, like, we, we all played some level of sports at some point. Like, if, you know, if I'm on a basketball team and I start night in and night out or I'm used to being the sixth guy or seventh guy and then I just don't play and nobody tells me why, like, I'd be like, what the – F, man. So, like, you know, does he tell him before? Does he tell him after? It's a strange system to go from, like I said, starting to zero, playing significant minutes to zero, you know, uh, playing for several games in a row consistent minutes to zero or to one or to five or to whatever. It it is weird, right? Like, I'm wondering to these players, like, how they're responding to just all of a sudden just, you know, one night playing. That's that's typical for but, Brad, though. I think that's been one of the staples of his coaching tenure. Is that good? Rotations fly all over the place. I think it's been good in the past when they've had guys like Gerald Green, uh, who are some of the, you know, Amir Johnson, some good veterans off the bench who are willing to accept fluctuating roles and know what they need to do in those spots. For young guys, it's tougher because I think they need rhythm. I think they need consistency, and I think they need trust in order to get better. And I don't think it's benefited any of these young guys that they've had to bounce around. But that's the problem with having a team that's half ready to go now and half G-leaguers, frankly. All right, let's bring in Art. Art, are you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Uh, man? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So basically, uh, my comment was more, I just want to, you know, uh, get this out of the way because I was pretty, uh, you know, amped up yesterday with all the comments and everything. But I, I don't think there's any way you trade Jason or Jalen. Like, I don't get why Goodman keeps trying to, like, nail that point home. It, it's so it's so frustrating because you look and you're like, you're like, well, basically you just saw, like, you see a team like Phoenix or Philadelphia who have two, like, big-time penetrators, and they put three and D guys all around them, guys that can stretch the floor. Like, the Celtics, I swear to God, I don't see one guy has an open three, and I'm like, that's going down. Like, I believe in that. Like, when Jason or Jalen kicks it to the corner, it's like, here we go again. Like, open three is basically like, 
How do you, you don't know what you're getting. Grant might be on. Grant might be your best shooter that night. Smart might be on, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that goes a lot on roster construction. But also, Brad's got to keep these guys in line. I mean, sometimes you, you look and you're saying, like, Smart's just making emotional play after emotional play. Someone got to be like, hey, man, like, calm, calm down. Like, stop freaking forcing these shots. Like, let's freaking, like, work the ball around. Let's get Jalen involved. Jalen, I mean, drops 20 in the first quarter, and then it's like he's a ghost in the second. It's like, come on. Somebody got to go and tell them, like, let's go. Let's move the ball. Let's get some touches. Like, Jalen just was killing. Yeah, he had one shot in the second quarter. Dude drops 20 in the first and gets one shot in the second. Uh I I I've yet to figure out why that happens. Uh, Jalen puts has these stretches where he's absolutely dominant, and I can't I can't really put it on him because to me, when you have the hot hand and you're not the point guard, it's the responsibility of the guys around you to get you the ball. Um, you even look at the third quarter; uh, he had three shots in the third quarter, and and to me, the, I, I, again, not that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You drop twenty in the first, and for the second and third quarters, you have a total of four shots. That shouldn't happen. Uh, and, and no disrespect to Charlotte, but it wasn't like they were putting the defensive clamps on Jalen or anything like that. Uh, far from it. Uh, and yet there he is. He play, Here's the thing. He plays the entire fourth quarter, does not come out for a single second, has 12 points, uh, had a rebound and assist, was four for eight from the field, doing the things that, again, he had shown he was more than capable of doing all game long. But for whatever reason, second and third quarters, they went, away from him never I, I don't get it I because I, I still think he can be impactful along with Jason Tatum we saw that in the fourth quarter of this game where they combined they had 22 of the team's 32 points in the fourth quarter uh why can't we see more of that type of unified back and forth I've not I, I take over for a couple minutes here you take over for a couple minutes there that we saw in the fourth quarter why can't we see that a little bit more consistently throughout the game I don't get it Uh, let's welcome in Jake. Jake. Hey, fellas. How are we? What's We're up, good, Jake? man. That's the way. Um, sorry, I'm here. How you going, Jimmy? Um, good to hear you guys are still awake. Just uh, doing well. But um, so I'm here to jump on back with Julian and Art a little bit here. And my boy Will yesterday um, to cut uh, Brad and the Jays some slack a little bit, like, Man, well, what did Will say it was again? A pandemic. A pandemic. <laughs> Damn it. A pandemic. <laughs> oh, man. He was killing me yesterday. Man, shouts to Will. That was awesome. That's great. Um, Legendary. So good. But, um, but, yeah, like, dude, like, what was it? The Thunder game yesterday, Jalen drops 40 on efficient shooting, and, and Tatum takes a day off, and we got Jeff Goodman telling it was a Tatum second game off for the year. He's like, man, Tatum should have played. It's like, dude, <laughs> this guy's played pretty much every, Yeah, that was tough. Like every fucking game this whole year with yeah. COVID lungs. The man's using a goddamn inhaler. I'm like, you get out there, Jeff. <laughs> Jesus. And then, yeah, Jalen drops 40, and Brad's coaching a team of dudes that I don't even think would make the playoffs in the NBL down in Australia. Like, I'm not even sure if I want them on the, on the Sydney Kings, to be honest. Like, I'm not sure where we send Carson Edwards. I like, look. It's I, Jake, I've been saying this all year. There's there's four or five guys on this roster right now that I don't think play another NBA game after their Celtics tenure is done. Um, For real, yeah, I, I really do. 
I if agree. they do, if they do, it's brief. You know, right. um, they're not going to be signing like these four-year extensions. For yeah, anybody. I, there might be some ten-day contracts in here, or they or they may be they may be joining Yabu over in France because I, I I don't <laughs> see it. <laughs> hey man, he just got himself a chip. Um, oh God! But, um, but I guess I guess my point is like it's kind of crazy <laughs> to me that we would think about breaking up um, Brad, Jalen, or Jason before next year. I know Sherrod's like, you know, excuses, excuses, but that those excuses are, are real, man. Like, we've had the most COVID absences, a bunch of injuries. Look at the top four teams that uh, made the, the conference finals. Like, Miami's below us in the standings just, but, like, you know, we don't, we're not talking about firing Spolster or anything like that. And, um, you know, the the Suns are rolling, and they, they didn't make the playoffs. The, Mm-hmm. The six is first round exit. All these dudes with extra rest and better health. Like it's that's all it really comes down to this season for me. It's a factor, yeah, I, Jake. Oh, finish, ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. No, I, no I, was, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say it, it's a factor. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. But my biggest issue with this team isn't the results. It's the effort that goes into the results. I could care less whether they win or lose games. But I do care if they play hard most games. And that's like when you mention a guy like Fosha, for example, you never hear about Miami Heat players not playing with great effort. And when they do have stretches like that, like when Jimmy Butler comes out and says they play soft, what do they do? They respond appropriately. They deal with it. And then they it's almost as if they need a reminder every now and then that this is not who they are. And then they respond accordingly. The Celtics, that doesn't happen. They'll have a so game we, or two where they'll make us b- believe that they're ready to turn a corner, like tonight, which was a great game, great effort game. And So we know that this is partially a coaching issue, this is a roster issue. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of different stuff going but, on. No, what Sherrod said is interesting, Bob, because I want your thoughts on this. The, that's a really good point. You do see in an 82-game season or whatever this one is, 72, of course you're going to have nights where you go – play like ass or you're going to have right. a couple of games, but usually you come back and you fix it. And it's a, it's, it's just a one-off. They, they're, they're one-on-one off, one-on-one off all freaking season. They'll play. How many times this year have they played one of their worst games and followed it with another one of their worst games? That's the stuff that's super concerning. You know, you do not have checks and balances here where you, you nip it in the bud and you get it out of the way. They, they will follow bad performances with bad performances all the time. And that, that, that's what that's – Because what... most of their losses, that's really – if you had to break down where did things go sideways, it be, from the very beginning, the effort just wasn't at a high enough level to compete. Forget about winning. Are you playing hard enough to compete and give yourself a chance to win? They've had too many games where that hasn't been the case. And it hasn't been – once or every now and then, it's been a fairly consistent pattern with these guys. That's what makes me nervous going into the playoffs if, for them to be able to do anything. Because even if they are fully healthy, even if they got all the pieces in place, can they play with a high enough collective effort to win? I don't feel good about the chances of doing that. And that's based on what I've seen over the course of the season. Uh, They're going to have to. That, that's that's kind of where we left off our conversation on the post game show is are you legitimately worried about any of these playing teams, Indiana, uh, Chicago, Charlotte for that matter. These aren't great teams. And if Boston's able to turn it up to the level they need to play at, 
they should blow by those groups. The bigger yeah. concern there is running into a team that just flat out better than Boston, but, Milwaukee, but, Philly, Brooklyn. Who they have those are the teams that you've yeah. got to outwork to beat them. Yeah, but the at that point, is, the talent gap might just be the issue. The problem that I see with this team is, and what I'm sure you guys have noticed, is that they oftentimes play down to the opponent. So it's like, oh, well, yeah, they match up good against this team on paper, and then the game starts, and that opponent X jumps up to a you know 15-7 to 7 lead, and that's like, okay, this is going to be one of those games. And that's kind of how it goes. Now, am I worried about the Bulls? No, not really. You know, that's probably, you know, the worst of – all the teams that could potentially be in the playing games, but there's a lot of talent. I mean, look at the team like the Raptors that are coming on strong. I mean, you've got teams like, I, I mean, I, I've been on record saying I, I love the Pacers all year. I know they've had a kind of an up and down season, but they're a team that talent wise could, can take anybody on in one game if, on, on a good night. Um, there's a lot of teams down, down in, in that area that are, are pretty even. I mean, the Knicks seem to be playing better than a play in game, but They've been hot. I mean, the Heat, we know what they're capable of. So, really, any any of these teams can beat you in a one-game play-in. So, that's why it's like they should be doing everything they can to avoid that situation. Yep. Let's, um, let's, let's, welcome in, uh, uh, let's welcome in Karen. Karen, it's been less than 24 hours, but I, but, but I missed you already. <laughs> that's funny. Karen, you good? I'm good. I am good. But we should still fire Brad Stevens at all costs. Still? Okay. Karen! Yeah. Fire Brad Stevens. Like, the fact that Jalen Brown had 20 points in the first quarter and got one shot in the second quarter, that is, like, is any other coach going to allow that? Like, seriously, that's crazy to me. Like, how does that even happen? That's Brad. That's how that happens. I swear to goodness, I feel like Brad treats Jalen Brown like he's rookie Jalen Brown half the time. And I swear if they get a new coach, they will not do that to him because like it literally makes no sense that he's okay with him being in the corner or not getting the ball after doing something that a lot of NBA players cannot do. Like how many history making things does Jalen Brown have to do to get some like respect for Brad Stevens? Like this doesn't make any sense to me. Like and honestly how Jeff Goodman's talking about trading Jalen Brown I don't want Jalen Brown traded, but honestly, kudos to whoever picks him up after they trade him because, like, I swear it, it will be another Harden story. There's no doubt about it. The negligence of Jalen Brown is out of control. It's so out of control. No other second scorer or second top scorer is going to allow their coach to let that happen. The reason why, what's his name, um, Embiid is doing so well is because uh, what's uh, Doc is making is making him shoot like Brett Brown was not empowering him to shoot as much, even when you know, all the time shoot the ball, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, and now he's actually doing it because Doc Rivers is making him do it. Like honestly, and I think people are so brainwashed into thinking that Jason Tatum is. 10 times better than Jalen Brown when he just literally does not get the opportunity that J- that um, Jason Tatum gets because of his how people thought of him when he came out of the into the league if they had the if everything was a level playing field I just I don't I, I just don't see how everybody's gonna say that Jason's that much better than Jalen because it's just it doesn't make any sense like you can't have 20 points in the first quarter and only get three shots for two quarters after that? 
Like that—that's—that's that's, that's coaching. I'm sorry, that is coaching. The fact that he's cool with that, the fact that he's not telling people, the point guards, whoever, that they need to pass it to the hot hand. They love to feed the cold hand on this team. I swear to goodness, and it and it and it's to the point where they don't even care if they lose. How many times has Jalen gotten off and then they just lose because nobody else is hot? If you really think about it, Jalen has gone off, gone went off for twenty, and then. The Celtics themselves couldn't even score twenty in the second quarter. That doesn't make any sense. And you don't pass them the ball. That that I, that's coaching. I don't. I just don't understand how that's not coaching. Yeah, that's frustrating. It, it is. And I look at tonight. Tonight was a good example of how it can work. Twenty three shots for Tatum. Twenty three shots for Brown. I know that second quarter drove people crazy with Brown, but he ended up getting back on his feet and having an amazing night. I. I they got to find a way to balance that out. They just have to. Like, they can't do, be doing this equal opportunity thing where Grant and those kind of guys are getting. Them. That's what just, killed them the last two other years, this equal opportunity thing. That's why we lost in the finals in 18 is because of this equal opportunity thing. When Tatum was going off, you pass the ball to Tatum. If Brown is going off, you pass the ball to Brown. You don't just pass it all willy-nilly to everybody. Oh, my turn. No, it's yeah. not your turn. Yeah, I mean, look, Karen, we've talked about this. Thanks, Karen. Uh, You're right. I mean, look, we talked about this on the show, and we've talked about this um, a lot throughout the season. Like, the strength of Brad Stevens is empowering his players, not telling them what they can't do, because if you tell them don't do this now or you shouldn't have done that there, he's going to be more hesitant down the road and won't be able to hit that shot when you need him to hit the shot. So he kind of lets his players play. And they like that because they feel free and they don't feel like they're going to make a mistake and get yanked right away. And that's a good thing until it's a bad thing. And so that's kind of the, that's the, that's the, you know, the catch 22 with Brad's coaching style is you have moments where you're like, how in the F, are these guys not getting the ball? How is it not? Why is Marcus Smart sh- shooting 10 threes? Because Brad didn't tell him, don't shoot 10 threes. He just said, go play your game, Marcus, and take the shots that are there. And it drives people crazy. So, again, we, we talked about the Jalen thing, too. I mean, guys, I don't know. I mean, you want Brad to completely change his style? Well, he needs to make uh, changes. He needs to modify his style. Because here's the thing with, with, with this team. With that opportunity – that he presents comes responsibility. And I don't think they, the players do a good enough job of being responsible with the opportunities that Brad presents with them. And, and again, I, I look, when I look at that roster, the one thing, if there's one thing that I would add to that roster that I think would make a world of difference is a true, legitimate, established playmaker whose strength is getting others involved and not necessarily scoring because they got enough guys on this team who can get buckets, whether it's ISO ball or whether it's getting to spots and finding ways to score from there. But who do they have whose strong suit is setting up other guys for shots? They have no one like that. And that person is becomes essentially an extension of the coach. And, you know, Perk was talking about this when we had him on locker room about Rondo and how Rondo would have, at this point in his career, Rondo would be ideal for this team. That's why the Clippers went out and got him because they realized from a year ago when they were in the bubble and they imploded in the playoffs, they needed someone who could not only organize 
their offense, but could actually lead and make sure that they were responsible with the opportunities that they could create for others. They don't have anyone on the Celtics roster like that now. And if I'm Danny Ainge and I'm looking at, you know, tweaking this thing for next season, I need a legitimate old school, get the guy who's open, get the guy who's got the hot hand type of point guard. It's amazing. I I think how different this team would be if they had a true bona fide legitimate playmaker in the backcourt we saw it with hayward that's what they're really missing right now a glue guy yeah, like a hayward can bring all that together a playmaker that's i mean that and right now they've got guys who can make plays but there's a difference when you're when you can do that and you can set up teams or excuse me set up your teammates for good scoring opportunities uh and recognize that if you've got jalen brown who's killing it Guess what? Keep feeding the beast until the other team makes an adjustment that forces you to look at one of your other options. They don't. They, it, it seems as if they shut the valve off without exhausting everything they can or forcing the other team to adjust. Uh, let's bring in Samuel. Yeah. So I just want to start off first by destroying Karen's entire argument and how invalid it is because it would be one thing if it was Jalen Brown was sitting in the corner and not touching the ball the entire time, but it's on Jalen to shoot the ball more. If you know what usage is, he's 95th percentile in the league in usage, which means only 5% of people touch the ball more than he does. It's not Brad's job for him to shoot the ball. That's a flaw that he needs to work on, and Brad is putting him in position to succeed basically i think that brad gets too much blame for stuff like that that's completely out of control like i'm sure that he wants jalen to shoot the ball more but if he's putting him in position to shoot the ball he can't literally go onto the court and shoot the ball for him that's one of the dumbest arguments you could possibly make and so i just want to start off well first of all samuel i do want to say i appreciate you listening but i will not tolerate any karen slander so we have to be careful here number two (laughs) Number two, um, it's less about that, and it's more about there's entire possessions, I think, from time to time uh, where the key here is not giving it to the, him the ball in the corner so he can shoot. The key is making sure that the offense is consistently running through Jalen and Jason, and there's a lot of times where it's not uh, – cert- and there's a lot of times where it's not in critical moments. The second quarter here I thought was a tad fluky. And again, he sat out the beginning of the second quarter, so I think he played fewer minutes in the second than he did in the first. It is still odd for him to have only gotten one shot up, and it is odd for Brad not to say, let's make sure we keep feeding Jalen. He's clearly hot. I don't think that that's a ridiculous... You might look at season-long yeah, no, no, stats. No, no. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not defending Brad completely. He hasn't done a perfect job this year. And then also, before I go, I just want to bring up one thing quickly about the offseason, because you guys have been saying that Without trading Brown or Tatum, it's hard to significantly improve. And I don't think that's true. I think there's a level of players who aren't all-stars and are really good players on teams that want to be traded who are available. I think the best example that I can think of is Chris Paul got traded for Kelly Oubre in a first. And then the Thunder went on to flip Kelly Oubre for another first. I think there are a couple of players like that. Like an example is, the Trailblazers aren't going to fire their coach because Damian Lillard wants him to be there. If you offered Evan Fournier and Marcus Smart for CJ McCollum, they would replace the scoring, 
and they get defense. CJ McCollum is the perfect third option. And There's you really no think chance. The they're going to get a better offer than that. CJ McCollum has never made an offer. Of course, there's that. That'll that'll never happen. That'll Explain never to me why something yeah, like you, that couldn't happen. What was the proposal? It was Evan Fournier and Marcus Smart for CJ McCollum because the Trailblazers are clearly not going to keep. They, they, you can't win with two guards who can't defend with wings who can't defend. They get defense and they they replace most of the scoring. Fournier, I mean, you right might now, need a. Throw a pick or so in there. You're gonna have yeah, to okay. Add, my, yeah. My, my, my point is just – it's not specifically CJ McCollum. My point is – Yeah, the CJ it's, sounds It's very possible Boston. to improve without training Brown or Tatum. It's just Danny has never had the urge to do it in the past because he's also had hate. Well, my frustration with Danny, and it's not completely related to that, but why – there have been chances to mix in veterans here on this bench, and they finally did it with Parker, and we threw a parade because it was so refreshing. But realistically, Parker's – probably not going to change much here the fact that we're talking about firing brad we're talking about trading brown all this different stuff drastic moves the fact and Sherrod really makes me think with this if they just brought in rajon rondo and had him run the offense something as simple as that as that to, that could have fixed a drastic problem on this team we wouldn't even be talking about a lot of this stuff so we do make it big because the big's interesting but the small on this team, the late first round picks, how many picks they've used, what like low key free agent additions they've made, some like even Tristan Thompson, and you harped on this, John. Could they have gotten a wing, a low key wing who would have had a bigger impact on yeah. this team? Like those and small things. Ains we all want. We all wanted Rondo. Like it, it, when we were talking deadline, we're like, that's exactly who they need. I mean, he, that was that was you. Here's the thing. Ainge is always thinking about the big because the championship's the goal and the big is what makes that happen. But when you completely ignore the small on a roster, this is what you end up with. Like just overlooking drafts and not like having – who knows if they put the attention to detail into their draft picks to, to actually make vital decisions at 14 and late in the first round. Are you scouting – Free agents across the league, veterans, second draft prospects like you talk about, John. There's just no excuse for the bench to be this bad and to keep sticking with these guys year in and year out. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy, are you just in and out tonight? I'm listening. Okay, let's bring in. Uh, let's bring. I, I, I want to get. I just want you know. I want to get as many people to get their two cents in. You know. Hey, right. call, yeah, it's about the callers, Sam. By the way, good. Good. Hey. It was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of agreed with Sam. I mean, John, you, you are all about having the conversation, but then Sam throws out a, a trade that he thinks is very possible, and you just said not going to happen. Well, first well, of all, Fournier is a free think... agent, so you got to sign him. Why can't we even talk about it, John? You, you, <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah. You, you can't but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard both of you say, and you said it like one second apart. We're, there's a difference between talking <laughs> about a trade or talking about whether another team would do a trade. I don't think the Celtics could get C.J. McCollum for Fournier and Smart. I think that that's way – that's just not an appealing what effort. If- for Portland, not not that I wouldn't do it. Oh my God, send those guys over and then also right, let them but, pick between Neesmith, Romeo, and Bobby Seven first. I would do that in a well, heartbeat. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is yeah, it's not so I much just those, think two those players. players get it done. Bobby yeah. Seven first, but yes. I, 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 I think, and I'll send Bobby too. Bobby. So. <laughs> the bo- the bones of that trade would be would be Marcus Smart. You could do a Marcus Smart centered deal. 
and throw in a, a Neesmith and throw in a pick and, and to get like a guy like McCollum back, that might help both teams because like like he just said, they need a defensive minded player over there. You can't have Lillard and McCollum doing the same thing at that position. So maybe there's maybe can there's you get a Cantor back. And then you can get Cantor back just like that. Oh, that would be great. I would go, maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm overvaluing CJ McCollum. You guys think something like that could get done? And, I actually think yeah. Boston. I, do. I think it could, but what would be the incentive for both teams to do it? Portland loves CJ. Boston loves Smart. And I don't even think either of them would change the different situations all that much. I think. I think it's just a, it's it's making a change because change needs to be made for both of those teams at some point. What they're doing isn't working. Boston loves Smart. Okay, I mean, really, like we're gonna do this again? Like Marcus Smart is this untouchable, you know, fan favorite? No, it's not about player. him being untouchable. But then you're bringing in a guy who's what, like five ten, uh, isn't a great defender, needs the ball in his hands to make stuff happen, and he he has some off ball effectiveness to his game, all that kind of stuff. But right. I mean, what's he realistically changing? Especially when you're sending out multiple core rotation guys to bring in one piece. This is kind of the Aaron Gordon thing we talked about, like. Yeah, it's nice you're adding a nice rotation player, but you're sending out one of your nice rotation players. So you still have that huge problem on the bench. They need to figure out this bench. Can they find some low-key prospects? Can they make a good draft pick? Can they flip this year's first rounder for a good bench guy? That stuff's going to be very important for them. I agree. Ultimately, that that's where they're going to make their, their changes is on the bench. All right. Uh, what's up, James? James Jones. Jones. Hi, hi guys. I uh, love, uh, love the show. I live out in LA and I'm from Boston, lived there for many years and I bleed green. And so I've been really upset with all the negative uh, comments through the media and, and, and fans that are getting on this team. The only thing I would how like. Can you, how can you love this let, show and also let, be upset exactly, about the negative comments? That's why I'm calling. Okay. And so the point I'm trying to make, if I can finish. No, please do. Please do. Is I live in L.A. They never criticize the Lakers. The Lakers have been losing and they've been sucking all year. You never hear we need to get rid of this guy or Kuzma. They support it. I watch all of the shows and they make excuses for the team and they love the team. Mookie Betts is like the king of L.A., okay? So you don't think that LeBron is chomping at the bit to try to get uh, Tatum or Brown? So I'm saying these players talk, and you can say all you want about all the negative and they should do this, but that's why Boston doesn't get players. It's because of the Boston media guys and weird Celtics Twitter. And so... You don't Wait a second. Celtics back. Twitter is Celtics Twitter is very supportive. No, not the, I'm on Twitter. I don't see it. So the only point I'm trying to make is when it's time for either Tatum to resign to or, or extend, these guys are talking. And I'm going to tell you, once you come to LA, you're never leaving. Leaving. So you need to pump these guys up and stop shooting them down. Bob Ryan and Jeff, whatever his name, these guys are stupid. 
You got to give them some slack. Let me finish. You got to give them some slack. They're young. There's no real veteran on that team that's going to guide them. They're trying to find their way. So Danny really needs to get a bulldog on that team with veteran experience. Stop stop shooting these players down because they're going to leave. So first off, it is not the media, nor is it our job to make the players feel good about themselves. We are okay. not their friggin', I, we are not their PR representatives. Okay, so we're not their agents. That's not that's not I'm what we're saying. that's not what we do. It's not what we do. Okay, I know that. You, we, that's you why give we don't on, have you, players, John. You give honest analysis. Also, the Celtics have gotten three of the best four free agents available uh, in the last in the last four years. So that's also a myth that players don't come to Boston. It's Do a myth. Stay? Also, the Do Patriots. Si- also, the Patriots signed literally every single person in free agency. So once again, that is a myth. But I, I uh, do appreciate the comment. Here's the thing: yeah. it's fine to think that, but I think that that's one of the flaws of both Celtics fans and sometimes the teams themselves thinking that the media is there to say nice things about them and pat them on the back. I didn't. Not. Say, I didn't say. I didn't say. Yeah. Wait a minute. I didn't say say nice things. I said, don't tear them down. So what if I complain about you guys every single night? People and I do. wrote in the media and Twitter, but not to the extent. <laughs> People do. Yeah. You were, you should, Welcome so, to my life. Absolutely. So you are going to say ignore that? These guys are I kids. don't think it's your job to support me either. If you think I'm saying shit, you should absolutely let me know about You are it. saying shit. And I'm Thank just you. saying. That's, that's, I'm saying I want you to say that. You don't have to build these guys up, but don't tear them down. Give them a break. 22 no. and 24. And, and and I agree, Brad is doing a terrible dr- job, and Danny is doing a terrible job, too. But we're putting all the responsibility on 23- and 24-year-old guys that don't have a mentor to, to tell them and show them and to look. Look at Naismith. He played tonight because he hasn't been playing. Same okay, question see, for you. I'm, yeah. When the Celtics are playing great, and they're winning games. And last year, they, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Are we not supporting them? And, and are we not, yes. not, not, are we yes. not you know, telling it like it is when they're playing right, when they're playing well? Yes. So, yes. so, when, when that's, really, so, what, so what are we supposed to do when they're not miss, playing well? Still say that they're playing you, well? No, you're missing the point. What's the, the point, point I'm trying no, no, to no. make is – I don't think he is, actually. But that's the point. When they play well, well you say they play well. When they play poorly – you hold them accountable. That's pretty okay, normal. Okay, but you don't – I understand that. You can hold them accountable, but when you beat on them, when you beat on them, when, the, when every time I go to Twitter or if I turn on TV or if I read what the fuck Bob Ryan is saying, <laughs> you're beating on these guys. They're saying, let's break up the team. Well, James, that's food, Twitter. Twitter's a bad place, man. I, I have a feeling I'm that not, you, might, you might not be cut I, up no, for no, Twitter. No. Listen, I'm not talking about you guys – I'm talking about the environment in Boston for players. No, I don't care how mm-hmm. mature you are. No one wants to say. So Let's let get me tell you this. Brown. Without without the back and forth, and and, and you, this isn't anything. You're right. For some people, it's not great. I'll no, say right. this. Okay, you're a Lakers fan, right? Oh, not a Lakers fan. You're no, 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 no. Sorry, no, you're I'm a Celtics, a, Celtics fan Celtics in LA. Fan. Did you see right. the game? Everyone remember the Lakers game when they came here. 
Um, and uh, now it was on a nationally televised game. And this is a great moment, okay? And, and uh, Kyle Kuzma was mic'd up. And prior to the game, uh, Kuzma gets caught saying to one of his teammates, he's like, you know, I got to tell you something. It's a shame there's no fans here. You got to see what this place is like. This place is absolutely lit. Not like absolutely. in L.A., not like in L.A. with those fake fans, essentially. He's like, this place is real. So you know why? So the place is real because the fans care. And because the fans care, then the media cares. And everything is ramped up a notch because it means a lot to a lot of people. So yeah. if you want to play in a town where people and fans actually care about what you do and they live and die with it, then you're going to have to take the heat. And some people love it and some people don't. There's a lot Absolutely. of people – there's a lot Absolutely. of people who play here, and the second they leave, they're like, Jesus, where, why did I do that? This, I, I'm in this town, and nobody gives a crap about the team, and nobody cares. I walked down this. Mo Vaughn, when he left here, from, and he went to L.A. again to play for the Angels, he said he walked down the street, and nobody knew who he was, and he was so sad about it. He's like, what a mistake that was. But when he was here, yeah, he didn't John, always like the heat John. either. So that's what makes it good. That's oh, absolutely no. The only point I'm trying to make is, don't beat up on these guys. You can be negative, but don't beat up on them. You know, just don't you know things like let's trade Jalen Brown, let's blow up the team. That's stupid. And I've been hearing that. The only point I'm saying is, in L.A., they don't beat up their players. That's all I'm saying. And you can criticize teams. They should. Without- they should beat up their players. Okay, they well they should. don't. They you don't. know what? I, every, I think that I and think that's that has why a lot to do with. Everyone wants to go to LA. No, and they don't. Me, it's not why. It's, it's sunny and it's the life and it's the glitz right. and it's not because yes. people are nice to them. It's just okay, a lifestyle. Me, people John, want to go to Miami because of South Beach, not because the John, media, the fans don't John, care about the product. I lived, yeah, Boston, I lived in Boston, Boston for thirty. Lifestyle. I lived in Boston for thirty years. I love New England. I love Boston. I've been out in LA for five years. I Why? Love Why'd it. you move, James? Why'd you move? I, uh, because the media is nice scenery. to you. Change no, the scenery. Change oh, the scenery. You, and you Retire. like it out there, I'm, right? I'm, re- I'm retired. You like the weather. You like the, you like the sun. You like you it's, like the glitz and the glam. That. It's, every, it's everything else. It's yeah. the inclusion. It's the weather. It's the casual. I haven't worn a jacket. Well, anyway, I'm just saying this, guys. I hate all the Lakers, and all my best friends are Lakers. Yeah. I have a Celtics T-shirt that I'm afraid to wear, and I won't wear. Yeah. But the why? You just said no, fans, to... fans don't care. Don't be fine with it. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. The point is they don't <laughs> beat up on the players. That... They don't beat all up right. the players. You know, all right, so, like... so, I, so I, I'm going to pull is... this in because please, Mike Gorman – James, Mike thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you. Thanks, honestly, James. Th- thank we you, hope, James. We hope you come back, James. Really. James, I'm, I'm give, passion, James, I'm giving so you a diamond. Passion. I just gave you a gem. Okay, I love I you guys, too. by the way. So I gave this you is the first time too. I've ever called in. So bring I in Mike Gorman. James, you you know that first time we got James. If you if you listen to us, you know that we're not just miserable people all the time. Like we just we call it how we think we see it. And and there's been a lot of reasons this year to be negative and to quote unquote beat up on guys. But it's not beating up on them as people or as human beings. It's just saying, hey, there's something wrong here with this team and the makeup of this team, the leadership on this team, and it's our job to talk about it. 
well, Jimmy, what were the realistic expectations for this team coming in? That's the thing. It Going depends. to the NBA Finals. You think so? No. Bobby, you had him as a two or a three seed. Jimmy and I had him anywhere from a five to a six seed. Right. So I think they're close-ish to where we thought. We thought they were going to go backwards this year. Um, but I think there are a lot of people saying, okay, well, this team, like, the – the, their ceiling is going to the NBA Finals. It doesn't mean that I personally did, but I think there were a lot of people out there that thought yeah, that they We had them below four teams. I, we all thought the three teams that are up ahead of them plus Miami were going to be better. Um, we didn't, and, we didn't, I don't think all of us thought the Sixers were going to definitely be better than them. I, I did not believe in Bobby the Sixers didn't. at all. I know that. Yeah, I, 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 had them, I had them below four teams, but mm-hmm. solidly fifth. But we, with Jimmy, you and I were in agreement here. Yeah. We thought that they would slot in in that spot, but that uh, Indiana and other teams who were wrong about Indiana is obviously not there, but we thought Indiana and a couple others were going to be just as good and in, in the in, in the running and competing with them, which meant they weren't going to cakewalk over teams that might have slotted in in the five, six, seven slots. But, we, we, and so and Sherrod my, said it early, like we're, they're not walking into any building and just knowing that they can beat a team. My, my point here is, I think teams like Boston, Miami, Indiana specifically in this regular season, have run into circumstances that have made it harder for them to reach that upper echelon. Like The, the whole reason for them, I guess you could say, underperforming this year isn't the availability of the players and injuries and COVID and all that stuff, but I think it's been a massive part. And the in and out of the starters in particular, and this is what I was saying on the post-game show, like it's not... Grant isn't going down with injuries and Neesmith and these type of guys. Like every time they're missing someone, it's Rob, Kemba, Tatum, Brown. Like those are the guys who are jumping in and out of the lineup. And this team was so thin, so top heavy to begin with that we even said coming into this year, this team is not built to sustain injuries. If anything happens to any of these starting guys, it's going to be a disaster. So I think you still look at this team come playoff time and say, if they're fully healthy, they're going to be a problem. Now, it's not great to have to be 100% healthy as it seems like they do to even approach their potential. But that's just kind of the expectation we had coming in. I think we all agree with that, that if any of the starters were going to go down this team, they were not in a position at all to be able to sustain their level of play. And I think that's ultimately what has happened this year. And they're not alone in that. I keep trying to emphasize that. Miami has had a hugely disappointing season. Indiana might not even make the playoffs. I mean, it's some weird stuff happened to, to some teams this year, and the Celtics have been part of that. So that's why, like, when that becomes Tatum and Brown can't work, this this whole thing's a failure just because of some stuff didn't break the way this regular season. The story's going to be written come playoff time. I mean, if they go on a nice little run here, no one's going to remember any of the stuff that happened during the regular season. But do you think that's going to? Yeah, if, if they're hundred percent healthy, I think they can make the East Finals. Sherrod. This year? Yes. Oh, no. No, 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 no. We've seen what they were. Oh, Bobby. When they were last healthy, they were blowing up. Bobby, you were doing great up until. They were destroying Houston. I think that's going to be the key. Did you just say destroying Houston? I want to take the gem away, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's your job. When you're fully healthy, (laughs) when those are the expectations, you blow those teams off the floor. You beat a team like Denver, who's who at the time was among one of the uh, favorites in the West. <laughs> Bobby's on whatever James one of the, is on. He's on He's on that sunshine and, and uh, <laughs> rainbows. No, I'm, by, the way, so, by the way, Jimmy, here's, see, that, here's, was a brilliant, that was a brilliant trap that you laid. 
uh, that I, I loved James, by the way, because that was fun. And I like I like the fire. But yeah. that, was a, that was a brilliant trap that you set that he walked right into. He did. He, he did. I, I had to lure him into it. Why did you move out here? Yeah. Oh, these 10 reasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so the maybe... same reasons why everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Hold on. Uh, see, I, I, even at full strength, it's, it's hard for me to, to see this team making that much needed step to get further. Because here's the thing, Bobby. We've talked about this all season long, and it's it, it becomes more apparent when you get to the playoffs. You have to play with great effort when you are not the better team top to bottom talent-wise. And if there's one thing that this Celtics team has raised question marks about all season long is their overall team effort. That's why I'm, I'm not feeling bullish about them making any noise because it's not about whether they're talented enough. I think they are talented enough, but can they put forth the kind of effort to knock off of Milwaukee, to knock off of Brooklyn, to knock off of Philadelphia? You're not going to have to knock off all three, but you're going to have to beat at least one of them. I'm not convinced that they are going to play with the kind of effort that you got to have in order to beat those teams in a best of seven. Best of seven for sure. That's the key. You ain't gonna beat those teams for it. All right, Chris. Chris was begging to get back in. Chris, what's up? <laughs> Thank you for letting me get back on. Uh, first of all, I need to let people in the chat know, like, I'm a diehard Celtics fan. The only reason why I'm talking crazy is because I have a high level, and there's a standard that I'm used to watching these team, this team play with, or just the history of the Celtics play with, and. This year, I've seen that they haven't met that. Whatever whatever the case may be, I understand COVID, all of that. But this team doesn't, like I said before, this team doesn't play with heart. No effort. There is, they have no identity. When guys go out, obviously because of COVID or something, uh, there's no next man up mentality. Like with the Isaiah Thomas Celtics teams, dudes were coming off the bench giving up effort. Diving for balls, going crazy. That Terry Rozier, exactly. Durabko, like, 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 like guys were licking at the chops, trying to get in, trying to make an impact on this team. No, no, there's no one doing that right now. There's nothing. No deep dudes. Dudes are are licking their chops when they see the Celtics. Dudes are having career high games versus us. Didn't Sadiq Bay light us up for like forty one points or something? Like, yeah. I don't like, like what's what's happening. <laughs> Why are teams getting having their best games versus us? We used to be a, a terror at home. Yeah. We used to lose games at home. We lose all the games at home. Yeah, you you want to <laughs> you want to be a hard team to play against, and we're not. It, it, it's 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 too easy. Like that, they don't fear us. We have no one to get, to give hard fouls. No one gives emotion. Like I need to see something. There's nothing. There's that's, literally that's nothing. Blind. Like no one's hitting nobody. Why can't you run every night? Like, you don't have to run every possession, but there are games where they don't run all night long. The pace of this team. And that's why I'm worried about Brad, because those are the things he expects his team to do, and this team just flat out doesn't do it many nights. It's baffling. Agreed. We're gonna bring in Kess, and we're gonna we're gonna close it off after the, we're gonna close it off in a little bit. We've been going for a while, guys. Kess, welcome back. What's up, buddy? Kess, um, hey, what's happening, fellas? What's going on? 
Um, I, I took some you time good, to bro? Kind of listen to what everybody was saying. I'm good. I, I'm in a good place. I mean, I always <laughs> like winning. Love that. Um, but, it, but we've been having this conversation kind of go around and around. Yeah. And the, the other two times I called, I, I talked about Brad. Now, this is not a situation where I don't like Brad. I, I like to the point, I, I love that Bobby's finally moving on into this direction simply because I believe no one is beyond reproach. Um, we've, through this year, um, criticized, talked about, and, and I'll say this, rightfully so, the players. Um, but it's just time now to look at leadership. So I remember um, Danny um, when he first came. Um, the whole conversation came about what he would do as a GM. He said, hey, um, if it was me, um, back when Red was the GM, if I was me, I'd have traded Bird. I would have done this. I would have done that. Real cutthroat, analytical type of thinking. Okay. So my question is, how does that apply to your coach? How does that apply to you? Some self-reflection. We talk about Rondo possibly coming to the team or not coming to the team. I know for a fact Rondo was not coming to this team. Because I don't believe that Brad is the type of person that likes that type of confrontation. Um, I'll, I'll say two things. One, me living in the D.C. area. Um, I, I was at a friend that um, knew Andre Miller. So I had a chance to actually go see um, uh, Wizards games. Had a chance to meet Bradley Bill. You talk about Jalen Brown. When I, when, when I brought up the whole Jalen Brown trade with Goodman, that whole situation, what I was saying is we have this talent that we've nurtured and grown and i want to see that come to fruition we talk about harden harden was let go from okc they didn't fight hard enough for the man and he blows up in houston i would be so heated to see jalen brown do that i remember when i met um bradley bill he was injured at the time here in dc they called him soft they called him brittle wall was the man here now, look what's happened years after the fact. What that means is you have to stay the course with your players, with the talent. You recognize the talent. Now let's look at leadership. If you tell me tomorrow that Brad was to change and say, hey, you know what? I, I woke up this morning, looked myself in the mirror, and I'm going to make some changes. I, I don't want to get rid of Marcus Park, per se, but I know that man has had too much space to do what he wants to do. The trade-off of him being wild, energetic, Marcus Smart, and then him being able to shoot threes whenever he wants to, that's not going to work, sir. It's not going to work. Unless Brad is that man to stand up to that man and tell that man what and what not to do and when to do it, what are we really talking about? And again, with Danny Ainge, again, he would get rid of Bird. Really? Word? That's what you're going to do? But you having an issue with Brad? We talk about these friends that we get, but they leave? They leave. Wait, wait. So he knew um, um, Gordon since he was, what, five years old or whatever the case may be, these, these stories from Indiana. But you can't keep that man. You stood by that man after he had that horrific injury and he won't stay with you. So, again, out of all this conversation we're having about these players and we're going to keep on going at these players. I want to talk about the management. I want to talk about Brad. Again, I don't hate the man. Not, a, not I recognize his talent. He goes somewhere else. He blows up the spot. Hey, man, more power to you. But I'm saying in Boston, I need to see more from that man. I need him to be accountable. That's what I would like to see. Now, I want somebody to tell me where I'm wrong on that. And then I want somebody to tell me, hey, how much time are we going to give Brad to make this happen? Three out of four years. Hey, you know what?